So everybody, uh, that, so just kind of keep that in mind that we, our class claims on the 17th. And I just got to mention it here, pray for Judy Steele, pray for Terry Wilson, Sharon Bolton, and uh, probably some others that I don't have on the list. Um, to give you an update on, my, on myself, I had my MRI on Thursday. And uh, it, it, I'm not I'm not wear, I'm not not wearing my option because of the, you know, the MRI. I'm wearing it because my skin is just can't stand it right now. It's, it's in bad bad shape. It doesn't look as bad as it feels. It hurts. Um, but anyway, uh, it was a good report. Uh, I was going to bring the, so I could tell you what it said, but I didn't bring it. But basically, um, going all the way back to March of 2020. Uh, pretty much consistent, uh, so things look good there. There's only one line item that I'm like, I don't know what that means. That doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound bad, but it doesn't sound good because I don't know what it means. So I'll find out next week when I see my doctor. But overall, it was a good report. I appreciate all the prayers because enduring MRI, I think that's number 16, 15, 16 oh, that I've had. So. Um, they know me there well. They, they know what I need to make it through. So it's kind of good in that way, I guess. But it was a good report, consistent. Uh, there's a term they use called a focal point or focal, what was that word? Focal something. That is, that is, is diminished. Um, anyway, it, it's looking good, I guess. That's, that's all I got. You feel good? Huh? You feel good? There's days when I feel good, there's days when I don't. I do think the opportunity is what's causing my fatigue. Um, I went uh, three or four days before the, the um, before my MRI without wearing it because of my skin. And when I put it on, I almost immediately felt fatigue. And uh, then I started stuttering or tripping over my own block. So I think that's got all, there's a lot of things that are, I think are caused by that. But it's a, it's a thing I, you know, do I not wear it or do I keep wearing it? So I think for the time being, I'll keep wearing it. But it's two and a half years now since I've been wearing that thing. My skin just hurts, so especially the forehead. Okay, so a couple other things here. Just want to remind you, um, we're going to be welcoming new members into the church this morning. And, members joining the church, um, and then uh, Steve Fleshman is looking to fill off the team that's going to the Dominican Republic, if anybody's interested in going to the Dominican, talk to Steve, if the cost takes out a lot of dates right now, um, and, um, and Brian just has a note here, please remind people to sign up for the Bible Conference, not that, that the main reason for signing up, registering on the Bible Conference on the website is so we have a count for number of meals, number how much food they need to prepare before for each of the meals. So you can just indicate that if you could please. Uh, they won't turn people away that don't register, but it will just give them a head count. And then uh, the recovery walk is this Friday. If anybody interested in participating there or helping out or just walking and helping raise funds for them. So I think that's about everything that I wanted to mention. Um, okay, so I'm going to make a little bit of a change due to the time. I had to go out and meet do it when we first got here. We had to go and rehang uh, a little sign that we had, that Dewey put together. It got rained on and fell off the building, so we had to go rehang it real quick. Hopefully, it'll 
And uh, we do pray for the Skulls family because it's all connected to them and then that way connected to the, the body of our church here, Lord. We, we pray the Lord somehow we can help to comfort them in their time of need. And the Lord, that you would do the same if you would put your arm around them, comfort them, guide them, and um, let them know, Lord, that you are present in their life. And we just uh, we pray, Father, as well for the, the weather today, for the uh, the open house for the Bible comp- Bible ministry, and, and Lord, that it would, it would be dried out and it would go well, and there would be plenty of that, uh, uh, involvement, Lord, and there would, there would be a time uh, of just fellowship and, and, and praising the Lord for the work that the ministry does, getting the, getting the Word of God in the hands of the world. And we just thank you now for all that you do and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to go ahead and jump in and get started. Um, where we're at. You turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 4, verse 5. I'm just going to start with that. That's not where we're going to be. We're not going to be in 2 Corinthians. We just did 2 Corinthians just last year, I believe it was, or the year before. But I want, I want to, there's a couple verses that I, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that will kind of give us a, a launch point for the study that I'm, I'm starting on today. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5, and, 5 through 7, Paul writes, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And so, um, I, I'm starting with that verse here because Paul is basically telling us a couple things which which lead us into the whole topic of this of this study that I want to do. In verse in verse uh, five, he said to preach Christ, not ourselves. It's interesting how he, he put that. The, the, he says, "For we preach not ourselves, but Christ." So basically, don't preach about yourself. Don't don't lift yourself up. Don't talk highly of yourself. Talk about Christ. And uh, and then so that's a he said that because we're servants. We're not the king. We're not. We don't get the glory. We're servants. And then in verse 6, he says that we should give the light of the glory of God to the world. The giving the light is giving the word, uh, giving the word of God to the world. And then in verse 7, is a reminder that the excellency of ministry belongs to God, not to us. We don't take credit for the things that we do. We don't give, um, uh, we don't, we don't give ourselves a pat on the back for the things that we did. I mean, somebody else wants to say, that's a great work you did, so-and-so. I mean, that's fine. But, you know, your response ought to be, well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Something like, give God back the glory the right that He deserves. And so, we're starting with that because this admonishment is really a starting point for us in growing in maturity. It's the point that Paul is making here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is, uh, among other things, and we, we spent some time in chapter 4 a few years, uh, a while back, uh, but he's telling us in this at this place right here is be a mature Christian, grow up and be mature, be a good leader. And so, I, so this study, I've been wanting to do this study for a very long time. As we get ready to start here, what I would call biblical characteristics of a Christian leader, or the marks of maturity in a leader. And I would say I think this is a valuable topic for all of us in this class. Uh, for no other reason than because in most churches, 
the most lacking element of the church today because the qualities of mature Christians should define life in the church, but it doesn't. We let, we let the culture of the world define how life in the church should be. And it's time that we make a change. Um, so I say all of this now because there's a need for these qualities. Even in my own life, I don't think I'm where we need to be. I need to be. I don't think we're, I'm where God wanted me to be yet. I mean, maybe I'm doing what he wants, but I'm not the Christian that he wants me to be. I would, I would say that about myself. Um, but I do believe that each one of us would take this, if we take this study... Not as a critique of our maturity, but as a measurement of the space between where you're at and where Christ is at. Because where we're supposed to be is where Christ is at. And so, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. The intent of this study is to provide direction for change in our life and our relationships. So the qualities found in the Bible are, that characterize Christian leaders are the same qualities that, that characterize spiritual maturity. I would actually say that the two go hand in hand. To be a spiritual, mature Christian is, a, is to be a mature leader. To be a mature leader is to be a spiritual Christian. Take, you can't be one without the other. They don't go. An immature leader is the danger to the work. We don't want leaders to be immature. We want them to be spiritually mature. We want them to be grown up. We want them to be uh, everything that they're supposed to be so that, so that when we're following them, we're following a mature leader. We don't want if somebody immature... Who, who doesn't know what they're doing to be a leader. We don't need that. The characteristics that should identify a Christian leader are the same marks of biblical maturity, which would, which are the product of true spirituality. So basically, we're talking about, um, we're kind of culminating everything that we talked about in 2 Corinthians, everything we talked about in 1 Peter, everything we talked about in Colossians, and bringing it all to this study here. Because everything that we've talked about in those three studies were about how we should be a better Christian, how the kind of the kind of things that we should do and not do. So we're going to bring them all together into this study here. Uh, biblical spirituality describes the mature Christian and is the result of the growth in our lives by the Spirit in the light of the Word uh, over time. And so it's this biblical spiritual element, at least in part, that makes the marks of Christian leadership distinctively Christian. There's a lot of leaders in the world. I'm, 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 I, I like to watch uh, war movies because I like to see how leaders in those movies do things. How men follow after these guys, you know, to, to their death if necessary, and so on. Um, I, I always remember uh, uh, Colonel uh, Winters in World War II, and then Colonel uh, General Moore in the, in the Vietnam War. Both of those men were fantastic leaders. They went, they went to the battle. Uh, with their men. They led from the front. They did the things that needed to be. But you know what? We can look at some of their, their leadership skills and say that's a biblical position that they took, and that's fine, but that's not what we're... I'm not trying to get us to be good worldly leaders. We don't need worldly leaders. We need spiritual leaders in the world. Not just in the church either, but in the world. So we're kind of making a comparison here of these things. Um, so as we consider the marks of maturity... We're confronted with the reality that there are qualities that should be found in the life of every believer, man or woman. There are qualities of maturity that should be, that should be, uh, define our life. So therefore, this study applies to all of us, regardless of our particular role in the church or in our society. And I would say that every member of the body of Christ, as a member of the body of Christ, we are all potential leaders. 
In fact, at some point, you're all going to leave, whether it's you're leaving your family, somebody in your family, a uh, co-worker, uh, your disciple, uh, anybody. You, you're leaving, and so you're, you can't do that if you're, if you're mature, not, if, you're, if you're not at the maturity level that God wants you to be at. Uh, so as Christian men and women, we have leadership roles, starting with leading others to Christ. So evangelism is a leadership role. You know, and uh, and so uh, these traits will enhance our capacity in the gospel of Christ, regardless of the ministry that we're in. So make your primary objective, both personally and professional, personally and publicly, to become as mature as you possibly can be, according to the Word of God. That's kind of where we're going. That's the whole thing. It's a study that I wanted to do for a long time. It's not. I'm not the originator of this study, but it but it had had an impact on me, and I wanted to share it with you. So. Starting at the beginning, Paul's example of a primary, Paul's example of his primary personal goal. Paul's a great example of, of this kind of person. Um, he he had a, he had some intentional desires to be a certain kind of Christian. Paul wasn't just. I mean, he 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 became a Christian, but then he had to grow. He had had to identify within himself some things that needed to be changed. So his ministry objectives were to reach greater and greater levels of spiritual maturity in himself and also to see other Christians do the same thing. So he started with himself, and then he said, come along. Remember he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, follow me after I follow, as I follow Christ. Not just follow Christ, but be like Paul, who Paul, who's trying to be like Christ. So anyway, the goal of evangelism is never just seeing people come to Christ. The goal of evangelism is to see people become everything that God wants them to be. The primary command of the Great Commission, you know, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 20, the primary command of that Great Commission is not evangelism, as some people think it is. It's actually discipleship. Teach and teach. That's what it says. Teach and teach. It doesn't say speak and speak. It says teach and teach. There's a discipleship concept behind that. So making disciples naturally includes evangelism. You can't you can't do one without the other, but it goes far beyond that. Disciples are leading Christians to be all that God desires. That's what discipleship is about. That, you know, we have the four goals: uh, discipleship, and uh, and it's important. Um, and it doesn't say goal number one is to be everything that God wants you to be, but within those four goals, that's kind of the the end result. If you blend them all together, is that very thing. So. Um, a major concern for Paul was spiritual maturity. And it was also a key objective of Paul and other writers of the New Testament. And you can clearly see in some of the things he says. So I've got some verses I just want, to, want you to look at. So look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Start with. of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. And in Philippians chapter 3 verse uh, 12 and 12 to 14. 
Paul writes there, Philippians 3, 4, 12, not as though I had already, already attained, were not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that which also I apprehend of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reaching and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of, of God in Christ Jesus. So that was his desire, to press forward. And I'm going to come back to the key word here in just a moment. And then um, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, Paul says in Colossians 1, 28, Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And then the last one in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And Paul says in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I said verse 1, but I'm in verse 6. Verse 6, How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes or of this, of this world that come to naught. So what I want to point out here, in each of these verses... There was a, an important word had to do with Paul trying to bring somebody to a to a place. That word is perfect. Notice in verse Ephesians 4:12 for the perfecting of the saints. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, either we're already perfect, but I follow after. Um, uh, he's saying he's not perfect, but he's following after Christ. And then Colossians 1:28 that I may present every man perfect. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, uh, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. So there's this word perfect. And the word perfect here is the, is the, is the Greek word teleos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But basically what it means is that which has reached the end, the limit, complete, full, wanting, and nothing. God wants us to, to be perfect. Not, not that we're perfect, perfect. You know, we have no errors in us, but we, we have reached a, a level of spiritual maturity that Paul is identifying as being perfect. That's that would be where where we're I wouldn't I'm not perfect. I have a lot of room to grow. And I need to make that grow so I can get to the point where God sees me as being perfect, not in salvation, not you know, those kind of things, but that my my behavior, my I reflect perfection because not reflecting perfection, I'm, I'm hindering the reflection of perfection. And Paul, I think, is trying to say that he wants others to see the same thing. So we can say in a spiritual sense, this word refers to the believer who has fully developed, grown up, and spiritually mature. That's where God wants every one of us to be, spiritually mature, spiritually grown up. Give me, let me show you a comparison, or a contra, a contra comparison, I don't know what's the right word I'm looking for. But in Hebrews 5.13, Hebrews 5.13 and 14, Paul, or, yeah, Paul says, and we'll see a contrast here, which most folks are, of where most folks are, where God desires to grow into maturity and perfection. Hebrews 5.13 to 14 says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful. I think we're familiar with that passage. Uh, everyone that is, that is using milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So unskillful, you're a babe. You're a young guy. You're just you're immature. And he goes on, he says, But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, 
even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The contrast just right there is either you're a babe or you're somebody who's grown up and, and become a full age, full age in maturity, full age in Christianity. Don't be a babe in Christ anymore. It's time for, and don't be a teenager either. Because you know, I mean, some people think they've grown. Don't be a young adult either. Be full age. I know nobody wants to get to be 80 years old or 70 years old or 60 years old or whatever, but you know what? Be a full age, the Bible says. That's identified by being a mature Christian. So spiritual growth and and greater... Spiritual growth and greater levels of maturity are both key objectives in Scripture and the key responsibility for church leaders. Church leaders which everybody needs to be ultimately a church leader, but at some point, church leaders are trying to move people to grow. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. I know we read 12, but let's read verse 11 and 12 together. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He gave all of those to the church. For what reason? For the perfecting of the saints? The church leadership has a responsibility to perfect the body. To grow them up in spiritual maturity. To grow them up in spiritual leadership. Every Christian should be a leader. Every Christian has the the ability to become a leader because God has given you the Spirit of God in you. So all you got to do is release Him in your life and let Him take charge. So Paul understood that growth and maturity didn't occur naturally. You know... Just because you got saved didn't mean you were spiritually mature. That's why Paul said in Ephesians or in Hebrews 5, talking about you're a babe in Christ. You know, there's other passages that kind of emphasize that as well. The babe in Christ requires sound and consistent spiritual training. Without it, that's probably that's part of the reason why a lot of churches today have a spiritual weakness. Because they're not teaching the Bible, they're tickling everybody's ears. So we don't want that to happen here either. So to this end, God has given and God employs some spirit, what I would call uh, uh, agents, agents to, he employs these agents to bring about a spiritual growth and a deeper maturity in Christ to every Christian. So let's talk about the first one. Obviously the first agent that God has presented to every Christian is the Word of God. Everybody has the Word. It's obviously the key and necessary element for spiritual growth. If you don't have the Word, you're never going to grow. That's why it's important for disciples. That's why one of the goals is to establish them in the, in the Word of God so that they have a relationship with God through His Word so that He can communicate to them. And so we, we explain all of that to everybody. So the Word is a key and necessary element for growth. John 17, 17 says that uh, the Lord prayed for the church and he said sanctify them sanctify them through your word your word is truth so sanctify to be sanctified is the same thing as being perfected it goes hand in hand being sanctified being perfected sanctify or, or sanctification is fundamental fundamentally a synonym for growth and maturity and it expresses the Lord's objective for every believer to, you know he didn't say well I want some people to be maturely mature and, and, and I want some Christians to be leaders 
He actually wants every one of us to be mature at a high, at the highest level possible, and he wants us to be able to lead at the highest level possible. You know why? You know why we need to lead? Every one of us need to lead. We need all need to be able to lead simply because it's a battle for the soul, and sometimes the leaders get taken out. Somebody needs to be able to step in. If somebody doesn't step in for the leader, then things are going to be completely in disarray. There are all kinds of descriptions we can put on that, but we don't want that to happen. Um, The second agent that God has given is the church church leaders and the body of Christ as a whole because they're necessary to portray solid maturity and spirituality. If, so God wants to use the church and the leadership of the church and the body of the church to be a living example of what that babe should become. And if, if we don't have that, if, if, you know, why do we want people to be in the church? Why do we want to go out to the street and evangelize, knock on doors, talk to people at work, whatever? And then invite, why do we want them to come to church? Not so they can get saved, because you, you should take care of it. We want them to come to church so they can be sanctified and be made pure, made perfect, and brought into a mature position that uh, they can believe God as well. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. But we need to know the people that are our leaders. We need to know who they are. We need to, we need to spend time with them whatever possible. Um, the third agent that God sometimes uses to mature Christians is suffering and trials of life. That's a hard one for most people to go through. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to go through a trial. But uh, that's, a, that's a thing that God does use sometimes to teach us. And the last is the indwelling, uh, indwelling and teaching ministry of the Holy, Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. He is, he is in us. He, you know, the Bible says very clearly we, we can do two things against the Holy Spirit. We can grieve and we can... Um, what's the other word? Quench. Thank you. We can quench the Spirit or we can grieve the Spirit. But we have, a, we have and that, it's amazing how much power we have to, to limit the Holy Spirit's function in our life. But we don't need to do that. We need to step that, get that out of our life so that He has full control over our life. Okay, so that's kind of how God is using things. That's where Paul is taking, wants to take the whole church. Everything that Paul wrote ultimately is trying to get the church body to a spiritual level of maturity to be a, a spiritual leader in, in, in their church, uh, wherever we need writing. But what does a mature Christian actually look like? We talk about this all the time. But what is this? So that's, that's actually the question that this whole study is going to try to answer. What does a mature Christian look like? I would say, just to start off, a mature Christian is a believer whose life begins to take on the character of Christ-likeness. But what exactly is Christ-likeness in? So we just go from one question to another. What does a a mature Christian look like? Well, they look Christ-like. Well, what does Christ-like mean? We're going to try to answer that as well. So in this series, um, we hope to identify these marks. But before we start peeling away the fruit of the maturity of quali- mature qualities of a Christian, let's start with the foundation. Let me lay a foundation. We only got a few minutes left. Probably 
I have to squeeze this in for a little bit for next week. There's just a lot here. Let me define some marks for you. Defining the marks of maturity. Mature Christians look like one who has becoming Christ-like in character. Paul says in Ephesians 4.13, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We need to grow into the fullness of Christ. What does that look like? When we get there, we'll recognize it. Right now, we can't recognize it, and if we're not striving for it, we'll never get there. So marks of spiritual maturity have three defining criteria. Spiritual spiritual maturity has three defining criteria. Now, this is... I think I have... I'm not sure if I'm going to try to put some of them together, but this whole study is a total of 16 marks. 16 different marks, but we'll probably convince some of them down, because some of them probably parallel each other. But, uh, so... um, they have three defining criteria to be a mark. First, they provide us with goals that we should earnestly try to reach. They provide us with goals. If we have expectation of our growth, we will strive like a runner to reach those goals. You know, everybody needs to know, well, where are we trying to get to? What, what, you, know how, you know how a kid is, right? Backseat, when they're four years old. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? How much longer before we get there, Mom? they want to know where they're going. They want to get to where they're going. And as babes, we should desire to Dad, am I there yet? You know, I'm talking to God. Am I there yet? No, you're not there yet, son. You got some work to do. And so there's a there's a there's a, a goal that we're trying to reach. And if we have that goal in, in mind, we have that expectation, our growth of our growth, we will strive like a runner to reach these goals. Paul had a destination in mind, every place that Paul was going. Not just where he was trying to go on his missionary journey, but he had a destination where he wanted everybody to go. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Paul says, Know ye not that they which run a race, run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And I, and I think that, you know, ultimately, let me, let me turn to that passage real quick, because I didn't make a note of it here. 1 Corinthians chapter... 9 verse 24 so he says to run so you may may obtain and then in verse 25 every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we have an incorruptible crown so we're striving for Recognition and honor from God that He would that He would see our ministry, see our work, see our, our growth as accomplishing what He wanted to, us to accomplish. Too many people don't give up. I don't want to do that. I don't want to work that way. Galatians five seven, Paul says to the church of Galatians, "You did run well. Who who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Though you did run well, but then you gave up. You stopped running." gave up? Who hindered you to do that? Who was who was at fault for stopping your run, stopping your progress forward to become spiritually mature and becoming a leader? So the New Testament has a lot to say about our spiritual growth and our maturity, but there are two passages which approach spiritual growth and maturity from the standpoint of goals or targets that I want to kind of focus on. We may have, this probably may have as far as we'll get. But Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 to 16. 
That's a long passage here, but Paul says a lot in this passage here. Philippians 3.12 starts off, he says, Now it's not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of, Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to be have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as perfect, be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, verse 16, what, whereto, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So Paul is describing here his intentional effort for growth toward spiritual perfection or maturity in two phrases. Two things he said. Verse 12, that he followed after. He followed after the intent to get where he wanted to be. He ran after. He pursued it. That's what he means when he says in verse 12 that he pursued, that he uh, uh, that he followed after. And the other phrase or expression in this verse, or in this phrase, or in this passage is verse 13, when he said he was reaching forth, meaning to stretch out for the prize. He was reaching for it. He was trying to grab it with his life. He wanted to grab it. Um, he was reaching forth to, to stretch out for the pride, which is we find in verse 14 as the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The high calling. You, you've reached the highest level of maturity and spiritual wisdom and spiritual leadership that I need you to be. He's, that's where God wants you to be. And then Paul says something else in another passage. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3-9. to And I'm not going to take the time for the sake of time to read that passage because I think everybody's familiar with that. That's As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that they might charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogy, which minister question, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith so do. And the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and faith and faith, from, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside to vain dangling. And so what we see here is the result of one failing to keep focused on the right goals. And so they, they miss the intent. We see that in verses 5 and 6. They, uh, verse 6 in particular said they swerved and turned aside. They turned away from what God wanted them to do. Too many have swerved and turned aside from a good conscience and, and an unfeigned faith. Too many have failed to do what they're supposed to do. They stay as a Christian. They don't, get, they don't lose their Christianity but they, they don't want to walk where God wants them to go. Timothy was charged with the responsibility of correctly or correcting false teachers. He was facing an Ephesus against being occupied with what amounts to a man's religion and futile speculations. So that's all the first criteria of, of um, the marks of a, of a leader, defining criteria. The second one is this, we'll, we'll get through here. 
the second criteria for marks of maturity are also marks of identification and confirmation. So if you plan to look like a Christian, you must bear the marks of a Christian. These marks serve as identity and confirmation to, of the reality of Christ in your life. So, as as much as, as as such, they make us people marked with the brand of Christ emblazoned across our lives. So, and we've talked about this before, that people should see Christ in you, that you see that you're a Christian, that you see that you reflect Christ. That's basically what this is talking about. Today, the church has, to a large degree, lost its distinctiveness. We're not distinct in the world the way we should, where the church used to be. We 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 sacrifice that. We want to we want to align ourselves to what the world is doing. We want to we want to make ourselves look like the world. We don't want to make ourselves. We are making ourselves to look like the world. And as such, they make us people marked with the. I'm sorry. It's often really hard to tell believers from unbelievers from the standpoint of their character, their values, their priorities, and their pursuits. Too many Christians hold the values and the, the priorities and pursuits of the world as their position on what the Bible ought to say. So what does the Bible say in changing their position? They, they say, well, the Bible should... This is not a good book. Give me a new Bible that says what I want it to say. So they throw this Bible out. They get them a new Bible. See, my Bible fits what I... My Bible fits what I believe. That's why there's 300 Bibles on the shelf at the bookstore. You just got to find one that fits what you believe, and then you, you're set. That's why people don't like the King James Bible, because it speaks directly at them, if necessary, not to them, like it wants to. Okay, um, the third mark, they make the possessor of these qualities an example and a pattern to follow. So to be, a, to, to be spiritually mature, to be spiritually a leader, you need to be able to be an example and a pattern to follow. And that's scary. Nobody wants to know that, I mean, I don't know how people feel about it. I mean, I've always, it's always made me nervous that people watch what I do. Because I can, I can go outside the line really easy. So can everybody else. You know, you, you make a mistake and you know, things happen. <laughs> as far as I'll say um, but these qualities, being able to be an example and a pattern, they demonstrate the reality of Christ and make believers truly influential in the right way. We all need to be influential in the, in the people that we have contact with. So one of the great goals and products of aiming at the marks of maturity is that these marks enable you, the Christian, to become examples of the Christian life and life-changing power that is available in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. What, how we allow ourselves to be an example in the pattern defines what people see about Christ. They decide what Christ is about, what God is about, what the Bible is about based on what they see in your life. All Christians, but especially those involved in roles of leadership, must come to recognize that God has called them to become models of Christ-likeness. So I'm going to stop here. This is a good place to put a pen in it right here because uh, I still have several more pages to go we'll probably do this all next week finish it up next week it'll be good uh, so that's kind of where we're going we're going we're to look at these marks once we get to the marks and we're going to break them down we're going to 
see where where uh, we line up. Um, we're not going to take any kind of surveys or anything to see if you're meeting all of these marks. But that's one something you should do in your own life in your own prayer time to see if you're meeting these marks. So let's pray, and then we'll be in. Don't pray for. Let's pray all together. You know, when you get a chance, but pray that the rain is is past us uh, by 12 o'clock. So that so we can get outside. The people are going to go home with the rain. They won't go out. Of Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your Son Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the grace and mercy in our lives. We praise you for it. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would help us um, take this study on maturity and spiritual um, um, maturity and being a being a Christ, being being a, the Christian that you desire for us to be. We ask for your wisdom and your guidance and your direction. We do pray, Father, that uh, that you would hold the rain or pass get the rain pass on by us before noon, so that we can have our open house and have fellowship under the tent, eating uh, hot dogs and, and just enjoying time and recognizing, Lord, that you have a desire for this church to get the Word of God into the hands of people around the world. And we thank the Lord for preparing us for the Bible conference that's coming up as well. We do pray, lastly, Lord, um, for uh, uh, Devin, Lord, his family. Situation that they're facing, Lord, asking you to give them comfort as much as possible. And uh, Lord, we do pray uh, that, uh, that you would take care of them as they need. We just love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Randy, our daughter-in-law is in Thursday. Have her baby. Really? This Thursday. Yeah. Is she overdue or? Um, no, she's on on track. She's measuring pretty big though this time. She what? Oh, is she? Oh, okay. Hey, everybody. Glad to see you here.